Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. I'm recording this intro on May 5th, Sunday, May 5th, uh, down here on my farm and uh, outside of Bloomington, Illinois. It's in a town called Leroy, which, which is a uh, between Bloomington and Champaign. I'm normally surrounded here on my farm by uh, a couple creeks, which are now huge rivers. My wife showed me a picture yesterday. The turtles, in an attempt to get away from all the water in our pond, jumped up on the dock. We had several turtles that were trying just to get away and get a, get some relief from all the rain. Today's interview is with Mike Gritter. We're going to cover two topics in detail today. One is the new chase race format. I'm a big uh, fan of the chase races. I really like them. Uh, they're very popular. Last, The first one of the year, last month in uh, April, 30 cars were out there. It was. It, it's just a blast. We detail all about the chase race, the rules... And the format for the what is now known as the Pro Chase Race, we detailed all of those in show number three. That was back in April of 2018 with Mike Gritter. There's a link in the show notes that'll take you to that, and you can zoom forward to about the 39-minute mark in that show if you have any questions about the exact format for the Chase Race and how it works. Today's show... We just talk a little bit about the history of the chase race and why there is a new format called the Novice Chase Race. If you haven't done it uh, before, this is a, a great time to jump in. So this, so this Friday, May 10th, will be a doubleheader chase race. So there will be a novice and a pro division. So please come out and check that out. As Mike talks about an interview, just find him, email him, and uh, he can help you out uh, specifically with uh, how to go about getting involved or if you have any questions. He can be reached at mikegritter at audubonsc.com. That's M-I-K-E-G-R-I-T-T-E-R at audubonsc.com. Or call the club or stop in and see him. As we try to give as much information as we can here at the podcast, and I wanted to know more about Miata racing, exactly what you need to do. I was always a little bit confused between the SM2 and the SM cars that we see on the track and how that all works, what inspections you need, and how to go about it. So we sat down with Mike Gritter to get all the details and all the information needed to become a spec Miata racer. So spec Miata means uh, specific or specification. I guess that's what the spec would be short for. And it's a way to get all the cars as close as possible to the same. That's what spec racing is. We have several spec racing uh, categories at the club, starting with the carts, uh, the spec Ignite Racing, and then the Spec Miata Racing, and the Spec and the Spec Radical Racing, for example, of some of the racing that we do have. 
Well, on Sunday here, my son and I are going to get the yard mode, and then I'm headed down to Dallas for a couple weeks for my job to do some training down in Dallas. I'm going to get away from the rain, and hopefully by the time I get back, it'll just be blue skies and spring will be here. And now, here is Mike Gritter on the Audubon Country Club podcast. Well, Mike Gritter, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, glad to be back again. And we have some cool stuff to talk about to kind of, uh, you know, you're only our second multiple time guest, so that's pretty Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I'm in high yeah, company. Yeah, very good. Yeah, All Mark, right. the president, Mark Vasso was the first double time guest. So okay. This is cool. All right. Celebrity. Um, well, first, let's catch up. On your kids' motorcycle racing, are they <laughs> are they racing yet this year? Yeah, obviously the weather's been a challenge out there, just like uh, everything else around here. But um, we've gotten several good practices in. He had his first race, and he finished fourth in the new class, so now he's running 65. And uh, so the three guys that beat him were pretty experienced, but he kind of wiped up everybody else. So couldn't have been a, a prouder dad. We had a fantastic day on that uh, that first race. Cool. And, then, yeah. and he's like catching air and flying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. High jumps. You know, the funny thing is with the kids, the jumps and the whoops and all that kind of stuff, uh, that's not the part that scares them. Uh, going through the corners, that's the part you got to get them to carry a little more speed through the corners. Um, and, you know, and really getting on that throttle out of the corners. The jumps, they don't care. They can be 10 foot in the air. It doesn't bother them at all. It's the corners that, that get them. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. But uh, so that's what we're, we're working on corners and starts. And we got starts down pretty good. Uh, so even in this last race, I told them, you know, you got to. You know, even if you don't get the whole shot, if you come out of that first corner in third place or so, you're going to be ahead of those guys, and they're not going to be able to keep up with you. And that's exactly what he did. So he had a great start, came out of the corner right where he wanted to be, and uh, just held held his spot. Um, not too far off the top three guys, but the guys behind him were way behind. So it was, it was really good. That's cool. Do you, do, you know, so I, I watch Supercross every week, and I that first – I just hold my breath at the first, <laughs> the first turn. Is it is it similar? That everybody comes together in that first turn. And, well, and it's not quite. It's not quite as many bikes, so okay. it's not quite so crazy. Okay. But uh, uh, it's different than watching Supercross, at least for me, because I'm focused on my guy. You know, I want to see where yeah. where he ends up, and I'm watching every little shift and movement he makes. Whereas, you know, Supercross, you're kind of watching the hole, or you're picking out your favorite ride or whatever. But uh, that's a lot more bikes going into one corner in Supercross. But <laughs> that's cool. Um, so, I would like to talk, first of all, about the new Chase Race format that, so this is May 3rd today, the new Chase Race format, well, there's a double header on May 10th. Correct. The first Chase Race is the normal, as it, we just did a Chase Race last month, it'll yep. be the normal thing. Mm -hmm. The second Chase Race, we're calling it. What are we calling it? We're going to call it the novice class. Novice so we're going to have class. a pro and a novice class. So I'm actually pretty excited to, to talk about this. So starting kind of at the beginning, the chase race was something we developed here, uh, unique to us. It came out of some ideas from some other things, but the, the actual format is pretty unique. And it started out uh, with a lot of streetcars and... Um, I don't want to say I don't say beginner drivers, but certainly weren't not um, you know wheel to wheel racers, really super competitive guys. And it started as a great entryway to get into competition. So it wasn't nearly as serious um, and as intense as wheel to wheel racing, like Miata racing. Uh, so it was a great opportunity to come in and 
you know, get that experience of a driver's meeting and qualifying and, you know, the actual start of the race and kind of all those intense moments you go through. Um, and then the race itself uh, is a little more casual. Uh, we, I call it a gentleman's race, you know, because there's not a lot of passing in the corners. There's not, you know, back and forth and things like that. Um, so that's how it started as a great introduction to the other racing. As time went by, uh, of course, you know, we've got a lot of competitive people around here. So they take this chase race and, uh, you know, start analyzing it and figure out everything they can do. And, you know, as it's evolved, we've had some outstanding um, points races for the championship where it's several times it's come down to four different drivers are eligible on that very last race to take the whole thing. Um, so it's gotten very competitive. And with that competition, you know, it gets a little more intense. And so it's it's grown far enough in that direction that now is the time that let's get back to its roots. Um, so that's the whole idea is so now we've got a novice and a pro class. So the pro class will be those guys who are intense about it. They take it serious. And that's great. Uh, we still need that. Um, but now we want to introduce back to the roots. We want to start this novice class where it's going to be for um, it's going to be a little less intense. You can use a streetcar out there and not worry about it. Um, as long as you've got, you know, some tr some track experience or you're comfortable on track, um, but you're not a racer yet, you can come in and do this chase race. And um, that's the whole idea is to get, to get back to the roots, keep it a little simpler, a little less intense to get some more people involved that um, might be intimidated to to try out a chase race because it is it has gotten to that point where it's so intense. Um, so we can get back to back to the roots. Yeah. So last. So I'll encourage you. I'll put this in the notes too. Uh, you're actually the third time we've had you on. This is the third time. So okay. You are the only third because the fir first time was about chase racing, uh, and this and and the second time was about you. And so this is okay. the third time we're okay. covering chase racing again. So I feel like a novice. Can I run the novice race? Is is there is there going yes. to be? Is there going to be separate? Uh, can you? Okay, so I want to run both, right? Can I run both? Here, here's here's how I'm, here's how I'm going to do this. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I don't want to like put this whole thing in a box and set rules that um, you know if you've achieved such and such a thing, you're not eligible, or you have to do this one or whatever. Um, so I want to keep it a little more casual and let this thing kind of evolve on its own and grow into what it what it should be. So take a guy like you. So you've done some chase races. I think you actually won one, didn't you? Didn't you win a chase race? I won a few. A few. Okay. All right. So here we go. He's being <laughs> modest. Um, so you're probably at that level where you should be in the in the pro class. But um, just because someone's in the pro class doesn't necessarily mean they can't do the the novice class. So say you're running a full on race car in the pro class, but now you want to enter a street car in the novice class. Um, I'd be okay with that. Um, so really what I want to do is, um, and I, I know this doesn't define it very well, but in your situation, just come talk to me and I'll tell you what I'm looking for for each class and we'll work it out. If there's a, a person who's never done a chase race before, um, they can come to me and I'll help find them what class they should be in. So if we put you know strict rules on it that if you've got such and such a car, you That's have cool. to do pro race, you know. Then, then we're gonna we're gonna put people in a corner where they may not want to be. So I think I'd rather keep it much more casual at this point, and um, we'll just kind of build it on the fly and let it evolve on its own. So is there gonna be a championship for both the novice class and the pro class? Certainly, still the pro championship. Uh, the novice class, um, again, we'll see how it evolves. Um, I'm really hoping we'll get good participation, and with that p participation, 
Um, sure, we would want to do a championship for sure. Right now, there's uh, only four of these novices scheduled, but let's see how the first one goes. If we get a good turnout, there's nothing saying we can't schedule more, and every time we do these chase races, we could do a double. Um, chase races are almost always on the full track. Um, they work better on the full track, so it's not so compressed. Um, so full track Fridays is when we always do a chase race. Uh, typically during Oktoberfest, we'll do two chase races. Um, but with this novice class, I'm really hopeful we get a, a whole bunch of new people that haven't tried something like this before uh, to get into it, and then we can, you know, we can adjust the schedule as needed and and go with the flow. Yeah, I really, really like the chase race format. I think it was a brilliant idea. It's very welcoming. Uh, I do remember my very first one. So, real quickly, I don't want to get into the exact because we do have a whole podcast that explains exactly. Was how that it your works. first victory, the very first one? Um, I didn't win at the first one. Okay, right? you did well in your first yeah, one. I remember I, that. I probably. And we've had several people actually win their first yeah. one. So. Um, yeah, because you don't know, right? You, stay, stay, you don't second guess yourself. You just go out there and drive. You just do it. <laughs> you just, just do, do it. it. Yeah. So. Uh, no strategy, just going to do it. So I remember I was coming around that last turn and everybody was there. I mean, theoretically, everybody comes across the finish line at the same time. And boy, there was like 10 cars there. And I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, just stay yeah. focused, stay focused. So my wife, uh, I want her to do it and she's got track time and I pretty close to her, you know, to come out and, and do it, uh, for the novice division. So I, um, she's on the fence, so I'm going to force her to listen to this podcast so that she comes out here <laughs> and knows. Uh, what would you say to her? So what would you say to, to, to Heidi Graybill? Come out, and here's why you're going to be comfortable. At. Don't be intimidated by it because she's super intimidated. By sure, it. sure. Well, for anyone, um, I would say first you want to be at that level where you're um, comfortable driving on track in your own skills, okay? So uh, this still isn't necessarily for the person who, let's say, has only done two sessions on track and they want to dive into this. Um, you still want a certain level of um, experience. Doesn't mean you have to be fast. Doesn't mean you have to be a great driver. It just means you're a little comfortable on track. And the reason being is, like you said, you get towards that end of that race, all the cars kind of compress together, and you have to at least be um, experienced enough to be aware of what's around you. Um, you know, because you're going to have cars that are going to be you know, theoretically, they're all coming to the line at the same time, right? So once you're at that level where you're at least comfortable on track, you're aware of your surroundings, um, really the first step is to, to come to the driver's meeting. And the driver's meetings are pretty simple for a chase race. But at the end of the driver's meeting, I'll take everybody who hasn't done it before or, or anybody who wants to listen and walk, through, walk you through all the steps of the chase race of um, what you want to do, how you want to qualify, how we're going to line up, and how the race is going to go. Um, and it's not even just uh, logistical things, but it's also some advice on, on how you want to handle this race. And really the key for any of these chase races is just to drive consistently. Uh, now, what we don't want is, you know, sandbagging someone, you know, set cruise control at 40 miles an hour and do that. Um, you know, there's a spirit of the race of what you want to do. Um, but it, it's, it's uh, simple enough that if you just go out and drive like you do in a normal lapping session, you're going to be fine, and you just have to be aware towards the end of the race that certain people are going to catch you, you're going to catch other people, and it's not even a matter of trying to keep them behind you or really pushing to pass someone else because oftentimes that person may have been may have had breakouts. You know, right. if you go faster right. than you qualified more than two seconds, you get penalty uh, time penalties. So you don't even have to worry so much about 
um, where you're lining up with other people. And especially if it's your first race or two, just like in other races, you want to get, you know, get that first race or two under your belt. So you just go out and drive. And if people are passing you, fine. If you're passing other people, that's fine. Um, it should be very low stress. And um, it shouldn't have that intensity that some of the other other races have. And so you don't have to worry about those things. You just just go out and drive. And that's really all yeah, there is to it. I, I do. It, it is just driving is the key. I think not trying to right. second guess yourself. Yeah. And for, and for an example, like Heidi, um, knowing that the super competitive chase race guys going for the points are not going to be in this race, um, that should make it even more comforting because everybody else, maybe not everybody else, but many of the other people in that race are going to be in the same position as a Heidi would. And that, that's really what we're hoping for, that they can come in and it's all kind of like-minded, like skilled people that can handle this race and they'll work together and let's all just get through it. Yeah, I, I, hopefully she'll do that and she'll just come out and just drive normally and uh, have a great time and not worry. Uh, well, let me let me also add that um, again, using Heidi's example, anybody uh, just thinking about it and is on the fence uh, should come talk to me and I'll I'll try and help them along any way I can, um, and and make them feel more comfortable. But they could also determine that okay, now that I understand more about it. Maybe it's not for me quite yet. That's fine. You know, okay, when, you're, when you think you're ready, come talk to me again, and we'll work through it. Yeah, okay. That's fantastic. And that's going to be, uh, this will come out uh, the Wednesday before, Tuesday, Wednesday before. Uh, that race is going to be May 10th, full track weekend uh, at the, the chase race for the Audubon country. I just think it's a great idea. I love the format, and um, it's cool. It's yeah, cool. I, I'm, I'm really excited that we're giving this opportunity to again uh, for it to be a more of an entry level type thing, and when I say entry level, uh, it can be for those who just want to take that next step beyond normal lapping, and they may not have um, ambitions to get into a spec meet or a GT race. That's not really their goal. Um, they just want to do something a little extra and have a little fun, and that's that's what this should really be all about. Um, it can be the stepping stone to other things, and that's fine, uh, but it certainly doesn't have to be. And this novice group in particular. The emphasis is going to be on casual and fun, and let's just do this and have a good time. That's really what it's going to all going to be about. Um, if, if people get too intense about it, well, then they probably need to move up to the pro class, you know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll boot them out and put them in the pro class. But right. we want to make sure everyone just just is really enjoying um, the opportunity just to, to compete at a relaxed level and just enjoy it. Great. Now switching gears, since I don't know this, and I and I have, I have several questions, is um, if I want to be a spec Miata racer, okay, and I do at some point. My son definitely does. <laughs> yeah, My son, um, he definitely does. So what? What is? What is the procedure? How do I become, or what? What do I do? Obviously, get a car. Sure. First step is to get a car and practice. Um, so you, you need to get practice and get comfortable with the car. Um, one parameter that we've set on spec, spec me out of this year is minimum lap times. So that's put out there, um, for a couple different reasons. Um, one being as a, a target for someone learning spec Miata. And the, the question always is, how do I know when I'm ready to race? 
one of those things can be if you can meet those minimum lap times. Okay. Uh, the minimum lap times are posted in the clubhouse by the by the timing screen mm-hmm. that's in the main room. Um, so you can look at those times, and that's a good target to know. Okay, if I'm if I'm hitting these times consistently, I'm at least in the ballpark of other people, and I know I can go out there. And you have full track. North, south, right. There, numbers, right. So numbers there's, a, there's a lap time for each track, um, so you can know where you're at. And generally speaking, if you're if you can achieve that on one track, you're probably capable of doing it on the other tracks okay. too. Makes it sense. Might take a little more practice. You know, if you're if you've been on one track a dozen times and the other track only once, yeah, it's going to take a little practice. So, but you certainly have the skills to get there. So let's step back just a little bit. So find a Miata. There's people on track here that can help you find a Miata, whether it's the driving coaches can point you in the right direction or one of the race shops can help you and point you in the right direction Mm -hmm. to get that car first, get it here. Is there, um, there wouldn't be any, obviously if you bought one that, that wasn't here, you want to get, you would want to get it inspected, set up new tires, make sure the brakes work and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So then we're tracking the car. We're coming here practicing, and then the next step. So next step, once you think you're in the ballpark for lap times, would be to get a race license. Okay. Um, so we always do a, a racing school, a race, a competition licensing school in the springtime, and then we'll do them as the year goes on, depending on demand. Um, so once we get a few more people that uh, want to get their license, then we'll schedule another race school. Um, and that's that's the next step. So you got to go to that school, and Tom and Tony will take care of the school, and they go through a whole bunch of procedures um, of what you might see. And that's in a full a, day. In a race. That's a full day. It's a full day. Yeah. Full so day. the morning is typically a couple hours of classroom. Um, then we go out on track, and there's some drills to do that help you learn how to do passing. Um, we do a couple practice race starts. So you know how those go. <laughs> we throw different flags at you. Um, give you a bunch of such, uh, scenarios that you may come across in a race um, to help you prepare for that first race. Even once you get that competition license, that doesn't mean you're not going to be scared to death on your first race as you're lining up for grid and there's things going to happen that you've never seen before. Um, But that's all part of it. It's all part of the fun. And that, and you have to have a, there's a, is there an extra cost for that school when you put it together? Yeah, it's very minimal. Um, Off the top of my head, it's $150, $175, something like that. And then there's a physical? Yes. Yeah, so once you pass the school, well, actually, prior to the school, you need to get a physical exam. So on the web page, on the member web page, www.autobahnmembers.com, there's a racing tab. Um, if you go into the racing tab, then there's uh, a place called information forms. One of the forms in there is the medical exam form. Um, you have to take that to a doctor, and that's basically just us covering ourselves that, okay, a doctor has approved you to participate in this type of activity. Um, so you complete that form, and then there's a license application form as well. You bring those to the school, go through the school, and assuming you complete the school and pass the school, uh, you'll be issued a, a hard card that says that you have an Audubon competition license. Is that a, a, a provisional type license? Is that a full-blown license? So once, it, once you get a license, a provisional license, um, which basically means we're really keeping an eye on you for your first three races okay um you run into any trouble in your first three races and you run the risk of, of losing that license again um so the best thing somebody can do is really kind of just be um anonymous those first three races don't let your number be called your name be called <laughs> if we don't even know you're out there you're doing a pretty good job because <laughs> you're staying out of the way right so the, the worst thing someone can do is think they're going to set the world on fire and in their first race you know i'm going to show everybody how great i am that usually leads to trouble uh, so you want to just kind of keep quiet those first three races, but you also want to learn. Um, for many of our people that are brand new to racing, 
you know, you, you learn the whole process as well, too, of, you know, lining up on grid and thinking your way through it, making sure the car is ready, all the prep that goes into a race. And then, you know, finally the green flag flies and nobody goes where you think they're going to go. And, you know, that whole process of the first couple corners, then settling into a race. So, so your first few races, you want to learn all that stuff anyway. So there's a ton of things to learn the first few races. Once you get past that, you start feeling more comfortable. Then you're thinking, okay, maybe this guy in front of me, maybe I, maybe I can actually beat him uh, and start working on those things. Once you get to that level, um, then you're, you know, then you got to start thinking about race, race craft and your times and all that kind of stuff. And certainly our instructors can, can help you keep moving up the level to the level you want to be at. Um, so that's what you want to do for a provisional license. Once you get past those first three races, then you'll move to a level one license, um, which means you've gotten past provisional. Um, the, the instructors trust you, um, and, and you should be on your way then. Is there, you said level one license, are there other levels? Yeah, so level one, so SCCA used to really call things regional and national for their licenses, SCCA meaning Sports Car Club of America. We follow their guidelines, not only in our spec Miata rules, but our licensing rules are very similar to that as well too. The reason we do that is so someone can take their Autobahn license and go race somewhere else or at least um, have that recognition. So our level one license is the equivalent of what used to be an SCCA regional. Um, our level two is basically a national license. If you reach a level two license here, um, you can apply for a license in other places, and if you know if this other uh, organ organization doesn't recognize you, they can all they can call Tom Bagley, and Tom will say, "Yeah, this person has a cheese level two license." Generally, that will get you on your way to get a, an SCCA license or anything else. Is there another want. class for the level two, or is it just you just request no, it? No, it's, it's more based on number of races, experience, staying okay. out of trouble, quality. So that's the the driver portion. Let's go back to the car portion. So before the the, the uh, we're specifically talking about Miatas for this uh, discussion in this podcast. But so we we have a Miata and it has to go through an inspection. Sure, and it's the same for any car, whether it's a Miata or a GT or a Radical wings and things, whatever. Um, the first step is an annual inspection. The annual inspection uh, is not to assure that it conforms to the rules. It's basically a once-over quick safety look. Okay. So it's us at least looking at the car, and we know what you're putting and on And we track. just set that up at, at any... Yeah. So um, Joe is usually here on race days, and it only takes a few minutes. So typically, Joe is the one to find to do that, Joe Griffin, our tech guy. Uh, but myself, Tom, Tony, Kyle, we can do that as well. So you can come find us. We'll do an annual inspection. If it's a brand-new car that we haven't seen before probably good to do ahead of a race day so you know there's no surprises. Sure. If it's a car that's been here for five years and we've seen it multiple times, we know it's going to pass, yeah, that's probably something we can do quick on race day and you don't have to worry about it too much. But what we're doing is we're checking the, the belts for expiration. We're checking the seatbelts. The seat belts. We're checking the uh, fire bottle to make sure it's charged. Be surprised how many times someone doesn't realize their fire bottle isn't charged. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing a quick over for just a general safety thing. Um, it's not necessarily us saying this car is going to help you in a wreck. That's up to you to decide. Um, but we're just saying that you've got the proper things in place according to the rules for safety items. We're not checking your motor or your suspension or anything like that for compliance. Um, that would come, you know, that, that kind of falls on you to make sure you follow the rules. And post-qualifying, post-tech, or post-race, to pass those, uh, the tech after those races, that's when that would come into play. But So the... Um so the car, is there, are the, all the rules are posted online, I'm assuming? 
on the right. Okay, yep. so you could take your take to one of the race shops, and they could com- make sure you comply with all those things too. Yeah, if you need, yeah. like I would need help, mm-hmm. and yeah, and all all our race shops know the rules; <clears throat> they know exactly what we need. So then, and, and all the safety items are basically the same as other racing organizations okay. as well too. So there really is no reason to miss on a safety item. So before the race, there's a there is a um, uh, uh, inspection before each race. No, not necessarily. So okay. the inspection so that we're talking about is an annual, annual inspection. You have to do that once a year, okay. so before your first race of the year. Beyond that, the only other time we're going to look at the car is after qualifying or after a race. If you get called into the tech garage, okay, um, then we're checking you for rules. Gotcha. Um, prior to a qualifying or race, it's your responsibility to make sure you're compliant with the rules. Okay. Because if we catch something after qualifying a race that doesn't abide by the rules then it's too late. You're probably going to be disqualified, whatever the case may sure. be, on the infraction. Um, so abiding by the rules is up to the up to the driver, essentially. And then we're just checking those things afterwards to make sure. Um, so once you get an annual inspection, before you do your first race, there's a couple other minor things you have to do. Um, one would be reserving a car number. So people can just simply send me an email. I'm going to race in Spec Miata. I need to know what car number I need, and I'll send them a list of all the numbers that have already been taken and they can pick one that's not on that list once you reserve a number that number is yours to keep in that class uh, as long as you're still using it if a number goes unused for two years or more it's taken off the list thrown back in the availability pile um so let's say i forget what number you have let's say you have car number 23 seven right now. seven okay um as long as you use seven even if it's only once in a while, seven will remain your number um, until you don't use it for two years. So that way you can be confident that if you put a you know cool-looking number on your car <laughs> and you spend some time into that, you're going to be able to keep that. We're not going to change your number on you. Gotcha. Uh, some of the unique things, you have to have a GoPro, is that right, in the car? Yeah, for all wheel-to-wheel or, racing. Or it doesn't have to be a GoPro, but you have to have video in your car. Forward-looking? Yes. Rear, yes. Forward-looking, forward-looking preferably. Uh, be able to see your hands on the steering wheel and able to see your rear view mirror. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not as effective if you put it forward of the driver, like on the roof or something like that. You want to have it on the interior of the car so you can see what's going on, see the mirror, see out in front of you. Um, and that can be for your own protection, um, you know, and, and to, you know, it can get you in trouble as well, too. But you have to have video going. And if someone doesn't have video, basically I view it that if you don't have video, you are guilty of whatever happened out there. Um, cause you have no recourse to prove me otherwise. And, um, the penalty for not having video needs to be harsher than if you had video and, and showed an incident. So, cause in other words, what people are going to do is, you know, okay, I know I got into trouble out there on the track. I'll just pretend, pretend I don't have any video and then I'll, I'll have a lesser sure, penalty. Sure. So if you're you don't have any video, I'm just going to assume you're hiding something and, and you're guilty. So it's, it's not innocent until proven guilty. You're guilty and proven, proven innocent. <laughs> explain the next thing is explain. So the tires are the, well, let me go back to the, I'm going to ask this question. There's, which I don't understand. There's the SM group, which stands for Spec Miata. Yeah. And SM2, yep. Spec Miata 2. What is the difference between those two? Okay, they so, both run at the same time correct. on the track. Correct. Another completely unique thing to Autobahn. So we started this SM2 group. Um, because there were some guys that knew they were never going to be battling, battling up at the front. Um, and they had a, a good group of guys that were always together on track. And so they were kind of having their own races within a race. 
And they thought, well, why can't we be our own group and, um, you know, kind of award who won out of our group? So that's kind of where SM2 was born. So from there, it, it was basically a member-driven and policed group. So we set some parameters. Okay, so SM2 is for the guy who knows he's never going to be winning overall. He doesn't have the time to be out here practicing three or four days a week isn't going to be rebuilding his motor mid-season, um, you know, so he probably doesn't have the greatest car out there. Um, but we just wanted to have something for those guys to have a little fun with. So that's how SM2 started. So in that, every year, the, there's usually a leader of that group that will be in contact with the other guys of SM2 and just kind of um, be in agreement of who we ha- who we have in that group. So someone who comes in there and they're, you know, dominating SM2, but they're also running with the regular Spec Miata guys um, and qualifying up there and, and getting faster, that's probably the, the guy that they're going to look at and say, you know, maybe you really don't fit in SM2 anymore. And um, that it, it's e- easy for that to happen at the end of the year. You know, if someone won most of the SM2 races, just because you win the SM2 championship doesn't mean you get booted out. But usually it's pretty clear if someone's, you know, ready to move up into the Spec Miata group. And the the guys will get together and, um, you know, exchange some emails and, hey, this is who we think ought to, ought to move up. Um, and I'll either be in agreement or I'll give them an argument of why, no, I don't think he should. Um, but it's, again, it's not one of those hard line rule things of you either belong in this or in that. It's kind of... Um, Would all rookies go into the SM2? Or could you go Not necessarily. If they're an experienced rookie, because you could be a rookie, technically a rookie here at Autobahn, but maybe you have previous racing sure. experience. Sure. Um, generally, yes, rookies go into SM2. If they, you know, are fast right off the bat and they have an excellent car, not necessarily, they might go into SM right away. Um, but they can still be a rookie and be in a regular spec Miata and rookies can also be in SM2. So that's kind of how we separate the, the groups. Um, and then when we do a race, everybody races together and everybody gets points for the overall spec Miata season. The SM2 guys then are extracted from that group, and they're given points based on each other. Um, so it's a race within a race. So everyone everyone is racing each other, and if you're an SM2 guy, you don't have to get out of the way of a regular Spec Miata guy because you're all in the same race. But when it's over, ah. then we'll take just the SM2 guys and see how they compare to each other, and they'll receive their own points for their own SM2 championship. Gotcha, gotcha. And the X is for a spectator. The X, my wife is asking about this, the X is on the back of... That is for a rookie. So so X indicates a rookie. So you're a rookie if you've done uh, five races or less, even if that's split up into a year or two. Oh, okay. So you have to keep an X on your car for a rookie. And the reason for that X is so if an experienced guy is behind you, they can recognize that you're a a newer driver, you're a newer racer. They're going to give you a little more room. Um, they need to understand that, uh, you know, a rookie might not be quite as predictable as an experienced guy. Um, so it's just something for the drivers to work together and be aware of who you're around. Okay. And the tires for you get a certain number of tires? Yeah. So in Spec Miata, you're allowed 16 tires per season. Uh, so that's four sets of tires. The reason we the reason we did that um, is really just kind of keep costs down, um, just like any other racing. Uh, if you could put a fresh set of tires on for every qualifying and every race, you're going to be a little bit faster. And there was a few guys that were willing to do that. Most guys 
didn't want to, you know, but if you wanted to keep up, you almost had to. So we set this in to keep costs down a little bit. And so we determined the number of 16 tires um, was, was the right amount. And it's proven to be pretty good. Now, you don't have to have four sets of tires that go together. It's 16 tires, and you can mix and match however you want to. When you get tires um, and you're going to use those tires in either qualifying or a race, practice doesn't count. Practice, you can do, use anything you want to. In qualifying or race, those tires have to be marked and recorded so we know how many tires you're using. So myself or Kyle or Joe can mark your tires for you, and we put a little code on your tire, and we've got a, a book that we keep all the records of. We know what how many tires you've used. Um, that's how we track the 16 tires throughout the season. Okay. All right. And there are 10 races? 14. 14, 14 spec Miata races, four, yes. 14 races. Okay. Yes. Wow. 14 races. Now, 14 spec Miata races, but if you're looking at the championship, your best 10 results is what counts. So you're actually allowed four drops. So let's say can't be here. Let's say you can do eleven races and you miss three races. Well, those three races aren't really going to count against you and rule you out. Your worst f finish out of those eleven won't be counted as well, too. Only your ten best finishes will count. Okay. Okay. Are there uh, are there members here that are racing here and then also racing SCCA Miata? Yeah, stuff? sure. Do we have. We probably have more of our GT guys that race SCCA and other other <laughs> series uh, than we do Spec Miata, um, but we have we have several. I would say currently we probably have maybe three, three maybe up to five Spec Miata guys that will do SCCA races. Do you ever see a time where uh, the new MX, for lack of a better word, the MX Five Miatas become the Spec? Yeah, my my personal feeling on that is that's definitely the way we need to go when the first global cup cars came out the mx5 global cup cars came out um mazda was here and they did some demonstrations and let some people take the cars out and uh, i think everyone recognizes it's a pretty good car there's no doubt about it price point might not have been exactly what we were looking for here um, it was, certainly was a jump up from a spec miata and so there's been a couple iterations of that mx5 cup now and uh, I just actually, I just talked to Mazda about a month ago, and they've got another generation of that car coming out. And it may be more in line of what we're looking for around here. Because the MX-5 keeps going up. I mean, I think it started in the 40s, and now they're selling for 60-some, I think, right? Yeah, that and, I, and right? I think they're, they're, they're aware of that, uh, and I think they're working towards a new package to get that price point down uh, that could make it, more viable to make that um, make that the go-to car. So they're, they're working on that. Um, and I, I talk to the guys at Mazda every once in a while, um, and you know they're they very much uh, would like us to to move in that direction. Um, but they understand that it's got to be it's got to be the right package. Um, it's got to be the right deal. And um, for around here, you know, it's kind of that that critical mass. So if we get a few guys a few guys buying those cars. We've got to get to that tipping point where there's enough buying the cars where, okay, now that's that's going to be a viable thing. And I think we'll see that evolution of getting away from the old spec Miata eventually. But, um, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. You can't make anybody buy a car they don't want. So it's <laughs> it's really it's really up to the membership to let that evolve. But we all know spec Miatas, I mean, they're racing in vintage races now. They're, they're pretty old cars, some of them are. True, because, yeah, they'll be... Uh, 
30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. 30, yeah. yeah the, the 1990s. Yeah, they're least, antiques. Yeah, 30 and years we're old. We're out there, you know, right. beating up like crazy. Um, w- one thing that I'm intrigued by the, 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 the MX-5, for lack of a better word again, uh, is the motors are pretty inexpensive. Right? Is that, is that not true? Like a sealed motor? I mean, the sealed motor right from them is only like three. I know you can get the sealed motor. Like I, I don't know the price point of it. Okay, so don't back. Somebody has to Google this if they listen to this. But I thought it was only like thirty five hundred bucks, which would be half the price of a half the price of a race current race Miata motor if you send it off to get rebuilt or something. Yeah, if that's right? the price. That's pretty good. So that was pretty intriguing to me. I thought, whoa, you know that from that aspect of it, and they look great. I think they look, they're great looking cars. Yeah, for sure. So, hmm, interesting. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I hope everybody listening to this comes out and has not that has not done a chase race comes out for the novice division. Yes. And I hope the I unfortunately will not be here. I'm going to try to get back. I'll be in Dallas. Uh, okay. Doing some flight training, so my wife's going to have to represent the the gray beetles. All right. Okay. Oh, here's a question for you: How old do you have to be? As in, my son is asking this. How old do you have to be to do a chase race? Well, that goes back to the process for any miners to go through. So, uh, as you know, any any miner needs to go through a process, and it's actually a, a step-by-step thing. Mm-hmm. So, first they get approved to, to go on track with somebody with them, then they get approved to go solo. Mm-hmm. And the next steps are, of that are, you know, they can get approved to do uh, rallycross, autocross, uh, and you can work your way up to approve to do a chase race, approve okay. to do spec Miata racing. Um, it's just a process with okay. the instructors, and they have kind of a checkoff list. So there's no, okay, this is what you could do, what you could do, or something like that. No, it, it's very okay. possible for under 16 to, okay. to race. Yep, yep. We've mm-hmm. had uh, we've had great success with that, and we've had a few of our spec Miata kids. They're not kids anymore uh, that were racing before they were 16, and now they've uh, really achieved some success. Brick Casey Jr. is a perfect example. Um, came from karting here at Autobahn, was racing spec Miata before he was 16, so technically he couldn't even drive through the paddock, <laughs> um, started winning our spec Miata series, was really doing well, and uh, long story short, now he's running in the um, couple different series, be running an IMSA series, winning classes, beating up on people, uh, doing great, so he's on his way to, to bigger and better things even. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we might do a separate another little podcast about, about getting – Someone on the track under that age. So yeah, my son's dying to. Yeah, and that can tie in with the whole the whole story we're trying to tell, uh, which is a great story around here. That uh, this is a training ground for for the young guys, and uh, we've got all the steps in place where you can you know take your young guy that has professional aspirations and go step by step by step through here and get all that training necessary. Uh, to make it into pro racing. So that would be a great podcast to, to start with the things you're talking about of the minors, but also then to tie into that of, you know, what what's our story to tell with where you can go from that. Yeah. Well, my son hopes to be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Anytime. Always, always glad to do it. Well, that's the show for the first week of May 2019. I know last week's show, the member meeting, which was show number 20, the sound quality wasn't the best. That was the first time we attempted to do that. We're going to make sure that when we bring you a member meeting in the future or something like that, that our sound quality uh, increases. That being said, it was one of the more downloaded shows. We are almost at 10,000 downloads. This show should put us over the 10,000 mark. That's pretty cool. Thanks so much. Some of the other popular shows were the first 
show with Mark Basso talking about the whole history of the Audubon. And also Build Audubon, which was show number 17, was another popular one. And like I mentioned, the member meeting, which was show number 17. The construction around the uh, Audubon is uh, commencing. It's still going strong. We're hoping for dry weather to get the cart track finished. That is still on track to open, no pun intended, to open June 1st with the first cart race June 2nd. Our next show will be an interview with one of the new staff members, Alan Bertinoli, who is going to be, well, he is the karting director of operations at the club. It's a great interview. I hope you all stay tuned for that. Have a great week and enjoy racing. We'll see you at the club. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.